Um, Let's pray that God's Spirit might lead us through this passage. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we open your word now. Lord, we thank you for your word that you've given us. Lord, we pray that as we read it, you will lead us um, through the passages with your Spirit. Lord, we pray for Carl as he um, explains what we're reading as well. Lord, we pray that we can be challenged through his preaching and develop a closer relationship with you as well. In his name we pray. Amen. Um, So 1 John chapter 2 verse 18 Dear children, this is the last hour and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us but they did not rely but they did not really belong to us for if they had belonged to us they would have remained with us but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is a liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And we'll turn to chapter 4 and we'll read from verse 1 to 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you recognise the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. But we're from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Thanks, Carl. Had a moment of panic there uh, when Ed said, we're looking at 1 John chapter 2. I went, no, we're not. 1 John chapter 2. And then I looked at it and went, oh no, no, it is 1 John chapter 2. But we've been all over the place, haven't we? we last week it was chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4 and uh, we're just all over the place. And so uh, even I'm losing track of what we're doing. So uh, if you're losing track, don't worry. Uh, we'll get there together in the end. Uh, how about our pray? Let's bow in prayer. Lord God and Heavenly Father, thank you for your words to us in the Bible. Thank you that uh, you've spoken and that we can read your words and uh, discover you and uh, your son Jesus Christ uh, and the salvation that you offer us in him. 
And Father, we pray that uh, you would help us to know that, to receive that, to believe that. And as we study your word this morning, Lord, that you would assure us that we belong to you uh, and that we are your children. Father, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, uh, over the last few weeks, as we've been going through the book of John, if you've been here, we've been asking that question, am I really a Christian? It's such an important question to ask uh, because... Uh, It's one of the most important things that we can uh, ever know. Uh, We might say that we trust and follow Jesus, but is there evidence in our lives that actually what we profess to be is actually what we are? We've seen uh, that faith and assurance are two different things. They're related, but uh, but they're different. You can believe and lack the joy and the assurance that you belong to Jesus. Uh, you might be wondering, am I really a Christian? Well, John's uh, given, us, given us two marks already of genuine Christians. The first that we saw was regular confession of sin uh, and continually trusting in the death of Jesus. People who regularly confess sin and trust in the death of Jesus for forgiveness uh, are people who uh, know God. And second, love for our fellow Christians and growing love for our fellow Christians is a mark that we belong to Jesus. But now today, John adds another mark uh, of people who really believe in Jesus and who know him and that is that they know the truth. John says that what we believe really matters. Knowing and receiving the truth demonstrates whether or not we're really Christians. So in chapter 2 verse 18 John says that this is the last hour which is a bit like our expression it's the 11th hour. It's not particularly precise. It's a figure of speech which means it's close to the end. We're in the last days. We're near the end. We're in that time between the death and the resurrection of Jesus and Jesus' return to judge the living and the dead. The world as we know it is near to the restoration and the recreation which Jesus is doing. He writes... John in 1 John chapter 2 verse 18 Dear children this is the last hour and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming even now many Antichrists have come this is how we know that it's the last hour so we can tell that it's the last hour we can tell that it's near the end because many Antichrists are around now when people hear the word Antichrist they often kind of uh, imagine a film where there's this kind of arch nemesis of, uh, of the church wandering around in uh, you know, the shadows and being nefarious but actually the term Antichrist in the Bible is a bit more mundane. It's a bit more ordinary than that. Antichrist uh, is uh, a word that just means in the place of Antichrist, in the place of Christ or instead of Christ. That is, we can tell that it's the last days because there are lots of people, says John, setting themselves up in the place of Jesus. People who are replacing Jesus and the gospel with another message. They might actually not be walking around in the shadows. They might be walking around in plain sight. Look like very respectable people. But be setting themselves up in the place of Jesus. There's one antichrist, singular, probably uh, a figure, a future figure who will oppose the work of Christ in the most significant way in the history of the church. But there are many people in that line, people who are antichrists, people who throughout the history of the church set themselves up in the place of Jesus and of God. 
And John says, surprisingly, that some of these people were part of the church. They're not out there, they're not in the shadows, they're not in the films, they're actually part of the church. They were, they were part of the Christian community. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. These people showed by deserting the gospel, by leaving the church, that they'd never really belonged to Jesus. They'd hung around with the Christian community, but they'd never really received the truth about Jesus. But the people that John was writing to, verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. All of you know the truth. They knew the truth. I do not write to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Uh, What does it mean to have an anointing from the Holy One? Anointing uh, is language in the New Testament which refers to the possession of the Holy Spirit Uh, the Spirit of God living in you. If you're really a Christian, then you have the Spirit of God. Uh, You've been born again, you've been united with Christ. Some people argue that there are two kinds of Christians, that there are ordinary Christians and then there are anointed, Spirit-filled Christians. There's sort of two levels. But that's not the case. There's not ordinary and super-Christians Because John is saying that the mark of being anointed is that you understand and believe the truth about Jesus. How can you tell if you have the Holy Spirit? How can you tell that you've been born again into the life of Jesus? John says that you can tell because you understand and believe the truth. Verse 20, you have an anointing for the Holy Spirit and all of you know the truth. Verse 26, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. But his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. John says they know the truth because they've received the Holy Spirit. He also says they don't need anyone to teach them. Uh, he doesn't mean by that that they know it all, that every uh, thing in the Bible is uh, perfectly plain to them. He's not trying to deny what other parts of the Bible teach, other parts of the Bible teach, that God gives teachers, uh, people who teach as gifts to the church, so to train us all to teach in one capacity or another. John's not denying that. But John's counteracting the false teachers. They were, were, it seems, these false teachers in the church who were saying, we have this special message that nobody else has that we can teach you. And John's saying, you don't need anyone to teach you the gospel, the special inside track to God, you know it. Should be warning something. Whenever, Whenever anybody comes along and says, I've got the true gospel that nobody else has. No other church in the world has it. It's a sure sign that something's wrong. When somebody says, this is the true gospel, no church has understood this since the first century, every church has been in error, you know that something's wrong. One of the misunderstandings I think I was 
reflecting on this at breakfast this morning, as you do. One of the misunderstandings, I think, of the, Re- of the Reformation was that the Reformation rubbed out. You know, the Reformation in the 1500s rubbed out 1,400 years of church history, but that's not true. The, re- the Reformers were, were going back to the Bible, they were opposing the errors of their day, but they were also working very hard to show that actually throughout the whole history of the church there had been faithful Christians who'd known the truth and who'd believed the truth. They weren't saying, everybody else is wrong but us. They were saying, God has preserved the truth all through the history of the world. And here it is. John is saying we don't need people to teach us a special message which isn't in the Bible, which the apostles didn't have, because if we have the Gospel, if we have the Holy Spirit, then we've received and we know the truth. Just as receiving the Holy Spirit and being born again means that our desires and our loves and our passions and our wants change, so being born again means that we understand and believe the truth. We live in a world where truth doesn't matter, where the only thing that matters is that you tolerate everything except people who say that truth matters. Uh, We also live in a world where all that matters is that you're genuine about what you believe. It doesn't actually matter if what you believe is true or not. That's irrelevant. What matters is that you're zealous about believing it. Actually, it's probably more important uh, or accurate to say that we live in a world where people pretend that truth doesn't matter. Or more accurate still to say that people pretend that truth only doesn't matter in terms of spiritual reality. People are obsessed with truth, actually, in every other realm of society. People are obsessed with whether the politicians are telling the truth or not. People are obsessed with the truth about whether or not uh, this product does what it claims it does. People spend hours combing the internet trying to find out the truth about this thing or that thing. And yet remarkably, when it comes to whether religion is true or this religion is true or the gospel is true, people go, it doesn't, it, truth doesn't matter. The most important thing in the world and people are indifferent about it. Is there a God or isn't, a God? isn't there a God? Are there many gods or just one? Did Jesus live and die and breathe and was he the son of God who came to save the world? When it comes to issues like that, people are content to say that the truth doesn't matter. But John says that in testing ourselves to see whether we belong to Jesus, we need to ask ourselves not only questions about how we live, do I love my fellow Christians Do I live every day at the foot of the cross? But also, do I believe the truth? Have I received the truth? There are some people who claim to be Christians but don't receive God's truth, people who pick out the bits that they like and the bits that they don't like. Imagine that you wrote your autobiography, you spent 10 years writing your life story uh, and you you finally published it and uh, you gave somebody a copy And they came back to you a week later and uh, they'd torn out half the pages 
And they said, I loved reading this book. I got rid of the bits that I didn't like, I didn't think were true, uh, you know, but, but the bits that I like I've kept. We do the same thing with God. The Bible is God's autobiography and so often people say, well, look, I don't like that story about God or that bit about God, I'll just get rid of that. Make another God. John says, believing and receiving the truth is crucial, is a mark of whether we belong to Jesus. So some truth then is uh, absolutely non-negotiable. Some truth has to be believed. Being earnestly wrong isn't good enough. So what are the truth tests? What are the the non-negotiable truths that John gives us? How can we know uh, those truths? Well, John uh, gives us three core truths and the first is it's essential to believe that Jesus is the Christ. So chapter 2, verse 22, who is the liar? It's the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. Christ is the Greek word uh, for the Hebrew word Messiah. So Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one sent from God to save the world. Uh, Who is the person who doesn't know God? John says it's the person who denies that Jesus is the Messiah, the Saviour, sent from God. But the aspect, it seems, which John has particularly in mind is the aspect of the Christ as the Son of God, the divine Son of God. Jesus is God. And John is saying that to deny that Jesus is God is to deny the Father, it's to deny the Trinity, it's to deny that God is one being and three persons. So throughout the history of the church, Uh, And around the time that John wrote, there were people who believed that Jesus was just a man. He was a good man, he was a man empowered by God perhaps, but he was just a man. Or there were others who thought that Jesus uh, was a man, but that at his baptism the Holy Spirit came on Jesus and made him divine. And then the Holy Spirit left Jesus at the cross and he went back to being just a man. But John says, no, Jesus is the Christ, he's the Son of God. If you deny that he's the Christ and the Son of God, then you're not just denying God, you're denying the Father as well. John says, if you don't get the identity and the work of Jesus right, then you can't know God, you don't know God. So the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Christadelphians who don't get Jesus right aren't mostly there. They aren't there at all. I was so troubled actually the last time the Jehovah's they haven't come back actually for two years. <laughs> I don't know why but uh, the last time they came I was so disturbed by the fact that they said so many good things about Jesus. You know, they talk about God, talk about Jesus on the cross dying for sin but they don't get the person of Jesus right. They don't understand who he is. They dishonour Christ because they say, no, he's just a man. We might think, well, that doesn't matter. But we're turning God into a man. That's what they're doing. They're turning God into a man. And John says, if we don't get that right, 
if we don't know Jesus for who he really is, then we don't know God either. You know, we don't know God the Father, we don't know God the Spirit. We're lost. So it's essential to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Second, it's essential to believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. 4 verse 3. This is how you can recognise the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. John's talking here in chapter 4 primarily about false teachers, people who claim to be speaking from God and for God. Uh, He's saying how can we test those? How can we know whether they're distorting the truth? And the test is whether or not they acknowledge that Jesus has come in the flesh. So one heresy which uh, has floated around throughout the history of the church and was kind of floating around probably around the time of John as well was the idea that Jesus was divine, he was God, but he wasn't a man. So he just appeared to be a man. He was a phantasm. I love that word. He was just a, just, he just uh, like a ghostly figure. But John says to deny that, to deny that Jesus came in the flesh is to deny the gospel because Jesus had to be a man in order to die for our sins. John says, whoever has the spirit of God acknowledges that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. And anyone who doesn't acknowledge that is not from God. So we need to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We need to believe that Jesus, uh, the Son of God, became a man. And third, we need... uh, to hold to the teaching of the apostles. So chapter 4 verse 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. When John says us, he's talking about his fellow apostles, that is the 12 people plus Paul who knew Jesus, who'd been taught by Jesus, commissioned by Jesus to carry on the ministry of Jesus uh, and to write down the good news about Jesus in the Bible. And John says, whoever has the Spirit of God listens to our message, the message that Jesus gave to us. So John summarises uh, some of that message at the beginning of this letter. He says that was, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. But our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John and his apostles had seen Jesus, they'd met Jesus, they knew Jesus and they were teaching the message about Jesus and people who didn't receive that weren't born again. Christianity is not another form of spirituality. It's not a private faith based on what works or what doesn't work for us as individuals. It's a message about a real person 
God and man who came in fulfilment of the whole Old Testament. Jesus whom John and the Apostles knew uh, and about whom the Old Testament was written. That's what the message of Christianity is about. And John says everyone who receives that message receives Jesus as well. And everyone who rejects that message rejects Jesus who gave that message to his apostles and they reject the Father who gave that message to Jesus to give to us. So the point is truth matters. The truth about the divinity and the humanity of Jesus matters. The truth about the work of Jesus matters. The truth about his death and his resurrection and his teaching matters. And it's important for us to see how crucial these tests really are. It's important because uh, if we know the truth, that gives us confidence that we belong to God and we've been taught by the Holy Spirit. But these tests are important too because they help us to be alert and aware of people who might draw us away from the true faith. We've seen how John talks about the Antichrists and the Antichrist, people who try to draw others away from the truth about Jesus. And we might think to ourselves, well, that doesn't really happen anymore, does it? We might think it does still happen, but not here. John says to us, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Let me tell you uh, two stories, both from the last year or the last few years, about false teaching in Launceston. These are two stories that I've told, I've mentioned them to numerous people uh, numerous times. And I have no great joy in telling them again, but I want to tell them again because they shocked me and surprised me. And if they surprised me, maybe they'll surprise other people as well. That false teaching is alive and well and Satan is very active, not just in the world, but in Launceston. Uh, at one good church in Launceston, a man from Melbourne was invited to preach a number of years ago. He came and he preached and he seemed a pretty orthodox person. He said all the right things. He talked about the gospel. He talked about Jesus and about forgiveness of sins and all those other kinds of things. But uh, afterwards, when people from that church got in contact with him, he began to teach them some very strange things. And they brought those teachings back to the church in Launceston. It turns out he was caught up in a cult, a large cult which began in Malaysia with a guy called Jonathan David. And those teachings came back to the church here and led people away from the true gospel, split the church and of course no end of havoc to earnest and godly people. Uh, earlier this year someone approached me about meeting with a man who was coming to Tasmania for a visit. This particular man was very keen to sit down with the leaders of this church 
uh, and talk about ministry and Christianity. And I was deeply unsettled by the idea and to this day I don't know why I was so unsettled by the idea but I thought, I'm not comfortable with this. Maybe because I had the other story ringing in my head and so I thought I'd check out this man. It turned out he was part of a sect that operates in Melbourne and Brisbane called the Brisbane Christian Fellowship which has been trying to get a hold in Tasmania. There's been a Four Corners episode about them Uh, and the more I investigated, the more people I talked to who I trust, the more I realised how destructive and dangerous the views of those people were. These are not far-off, far-flung things, but realities very close to us. They're realities that keep me awake at night, I'm not saying that we should be paranoid but John is saying that we should be wary. Alert, as John Howard would say, but not alarmed. It might seem uh, to you that the existence of all these false Christianities calls into question the truth of Christianity itself. How can we know if there's so many false claims? How can we ever know the truth? How can we ever know that one is true? But the existence of iPhone wannabes doesn't call into question the existence of the genuine article. The fact that Android smartphones exist doesn't mean that the iPhone is illegitimate. Nor are people paralysed wandering around thinking to themselves, is this really the genuine article or just a fake imitation? just a Samsung substitute. (laughs) People know the genuine article because the genuine article has superior quality. And what's true with iPhones is true with the truth about Jesus as well. The existence of fake Jesuses and fake Gospels doesn't call the existence of the true Gospel into question. In fact, it just lends it credibility. And everyone can see with the eyes to see it which is true and which is false. Because the genuine truth is beautiful and right and good and holy and just. Truth matters, says John, and so we should test ourselves to see whether we are in the truth and whether we know the truth. Is the truth that you are holding on to the biblical truth? And if you're in the truth, if you do know the truth, then John says, you need to persevere in that truth and to hold on to it. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. Let me pray.
Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for truth. Lord, we live in a world which is empty of truth and which denies truth and which embraces lies and error. But Lord, thank you that in the Bible we discover what is really true about us and the world and you. Lord, thank you that truth is an anchor for our souls. It gives us hope and meaning and purpose and joy and certainty. It gives us a firm place to stand. Lord, we pray that each one of us would know the truth about Jesus Christ, who he is, what he has done. Lord, we pray that none of us would be led astray into error. Help us to be aware that Satan is always trying to undermine the church and to lead people astray. Help us to be alert but not alarmed. Help us to trust you. Help us to encourage each other to hold fast to the true gospel. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.